0: I, I want to tell you young families, I include myself in that, but I want to tell you families with young children that you're raising them, I am so proud of you. Like, I really am. My heart could burst. I could cry. I'm so proud of you. It takes courage. This There's so much fear. There's so much anxiety out there. There's so many couples that don't have children because they're afraid of not having enough they're afraid of what's going to happen they're afraid of all kinds of things and that's a real thing that's out there but you guys are doing it i'm so proud of you i'm so proud to be part of a body that is a culture of life that loves children and that loves families you know why because it's an extension of the heart of the father It is the Father's heart to have as many children as he can have, right? I'm not saying that's a thing that you should do, but (laughs) it is the heart of the Father. He wants to have more and more children because he has unlimited love and grace to pour out on them. So I'm grateful for you guys. This is awesome. We're going to have this whole front with families here in just a little bit and pray over them and bless them. But as a community, even if you don't have children, you don't have small children, or if like me, your children are grown, let's be mindful and remember that these young families, they need our encouragement. There's so many times when we felt so discouraged. I I can't count all the times we lay to bed at night and go, how are we gonna do this? Oh, this is so hard. And it's such a blessing if somebody comes up and says, you're doing a good job. God is pleased with you, and I'm praying for you. That's a game changer for a young family. It really is. So I want to give a charge to the families with young children about this whole issue of training. And I want to also give encouragement because you guys need it, and the Lord wants to give it to you. So, let's open up with Proverbs 22. You're familiar with this passage, but it may be a little bit surprising to you this morning when we actually dig into it. Proverbs chapter 22, we're going to read verses 5 and 6. Familiar with this? I mean, I can tell you that of everything that I've done in my life, ministry-wise, serving-wise, I have no doubt whatsoever that the most important thing that I have ever done with eternal value is to raise seven children for the Lord. Absolutely. 100%. I would take that over 10,000 conferences. I would take that over 10 million sermons preached because the eternal ramifications of that are enormous and we can't even calculate it. Only God knows what it's going to be because each one of those children who's loving and serving Jesus is now building a family with their children loving and serving Jesus. And can you see how the pyramid is going to go like this? And the kingdom of God is being strengthened and the gates of hell are being shaken by people and young people and children who love Jesus supremely. It's a game changer. It changes culture. We want to have revival to change culture? We do it through our families first. Raising up children to love Jesus and to be the salt and the light is a culture-changing event, it's not wasted. I had so many people when we were raising our kids say, man, you'll never be able to retire, will you? I'm like, I don't want to retire. You know how much money that costs? Absolutely. But the value that's given there is 10,000 times greater than anything you expend. That's a real thing. Proverbs 22. B, you mentioned the word brief, and that might be a little stretch. I might do my best, but I want, I want to give you the charge. There's a weighty charge that's given to parents as far as their children goes, and we need to take it seriously. Part of the reason that those who proclaim to be Christians who don't have a biblical worldview and so they can't pass on what they don't have to their children It's just because it's not on the forefront of their mind. It's survival mode, and I get that. But we need to be intentional about focusing on what... Listen, our question here at Heart of the Father that we always ask, what does Jesus want and how can we give it to Him, right? So with our children parents, we need to ask ourselves that question. What is it that Jesus wants in us raising our children for Him? How can we do that in a way that pleases Him and gives Him what He wants? Would you agree with me that that's a good question to ask? That's the one question test, right? How do I best honor Jesus in everything that I'm doing? That's the one question test. What does God want and how can I give it to Him? Proverbs 22, verse 5 and 6. These, These verses go together. There's not always a lot of context in Proverbs, but I believe these two verses are joined together. Let's look at them. Verse 5 of chapter 22. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. That's the crooked ones, the wicked. He who guards himself will be far from them. That's one way. Verse 6. Train up, and we're going to talk about a few of the words in this verse that are really important. Train up a child. In the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So what is our calling? Okay, the, the phrase train up, when I, when I was looking into this and just meditating on it, 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 is it okay if I could just get a little bit teachy here? I, I want to get a little bit teachy because I want to go into a little bit of detail. You know, I, I know I usually am up here frothing at the mouth and all that stuff, and I might get there. But, but let me just have um, a few minutes just to do a little teachy thing here because I want you to see something that this verse actually says. So the phrase there, train up, actually is probably not a great translation. Every other time, this Hebrew verb is used four times in the Old Testament only. Every other time it's used, the translation is Dedicate. And it has to do twice with Solomon dedicating the temple and once with someone dedicating their house to the Lord. And Hebrew scholars will tell you that the idea behind the word is to dedicate it to him. I want to read you one of the verses that this Hebrew uh, verb is used in. It's 1 Kings 8.63. You can put that on the screen if you want to. Solomon offered... For the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. Like, is this even real? 120,000 sheep? Are you kidding me? 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the sons of Israel, notice this, all the sons of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. That word dedicated is exactly the same word as train up in Proverbs 22. You go, how does that even go together? I think they had a hard time, the translators a lot of times, and there are translations that translate it as dedicate, but it seems awkward To to put that in there. So train up seems better. And that is part of the idea. But the issue is here. What was Solomon doing when he's dedicating the temple? He's saying, Lord, this is the place where you're going to get what you want. And we're going to offer you everything that it takes to please you and to bless your name. Because this temple is about you and not about us. And so this is a huge mindset for us as believers to have about our kids. I can tell you, running in homeschool circles for a lot of years, that there's a lot of child idolatry that goes on in homeschool circles. Those children are the thing they worship, and it shouldn't be so. The reality is our children don't belong to us. We're dedicating today, this is a great, theme and a great way. We're dedicating our children today, and what we're doing is acknowledging to God, Lord, these aren't really ours. I would tell my kids a lot, like, I'm your father, but you have a real father. Like, the real father that you have is the father in heaven, so the most important thing is not that you get straight A's on your report card or that you please me and everything, although that's important, (laughs) but that you please him because He's your real Father. Our children are not our own possessions. If we view them as something to make us happy and to make us proud, so often what we do with our kids is we want them to be our, our little, you know, you have a trophy wife and you have trophy kids, right? My kid um, is the smartest one in his class. He got straight A's. He got a full scholarship to Harvard. Where's your kid go? Oh, he doesn't go to college. Oh, okay. so what? The issue is, are they what the Lord wants them to be? And is their heart and their life in right relationship with God? Are they Jesus lovers? That's the question. Are they passionate followers? God's ordinary way of shaping people, listen, God's ordinary way of shaping people into radically committed followers of Jesus whose treasure and delight really are the Lord is through parents who continuously teach and model a God-centered, Bible-saturated worldview to their children. What does that look like for the children? You really belong to the real Father. And so, our whole goal We'd like for you to make A's, but our whole goal is that you'll be walking in a way that pleases and honors the Lord and that you're rightly aligned to Him and that your relationship with Him is real and deep because at the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter. That's the most important thing. What is our holy calling? We have to train them We have to be diligent. We're going to look at some scriptures here in just a minute that talk about diligently train them, diligently discipline them. That means we have to be engaged and focused. So here's the thing to your question. Most parents today think, oh, I love my kids. Everything's going to work out. Is that a real thing? Do you think that's real? Oh, I love my kids. Everything's just going to work out right. No. Have to be intentional about leading them discipling them. The best, most effective discipleship program in the world is parents with their children. You already have a captive audience. They're with you all the time. They look at your life constantly. You can talk to them when you go in, when you come out, in the morning, in the night. You can put it on the doorpost of your house. You can put it everywhere. You can talk to them about every situation of life, every struggle they have in relationships and school. You can talk to them about Jesus. And you can help them to have the right perspective and learn to trust in Him. It is by far the best discipleship program ever. It is. And God has intended this to be discipleship. This is what we do in this body. If we don't grow from the outside, we're going to grow from the inside, bless God. Come on, keep having those babies, right? It's beautiful. Can I tell you, you you can't pray instead of train. You you can't make up for lack of obedience with sacrifice. Now, I prayed and cried out for my kids constantly, and I think it's true. Only the Lord knows that I prayed a thousand times, God, reveal yourself to them. Cuz it's a miracle. If they come to Jesus, it's not because I'm going to coerce them like they have to see and they have to know and really believe. Lord, reveal yourself to them. Show yourself to them. It comes by your Holy Spirit. But he also said, if you spare the rod, knows what the rod is. It, like, it, it, you, it, it goes on your fanny there sometimes. Like If you spare the rod, it doesn't say you spoil Your son, it says you hate him. So, what do I mean? Beat the snot out of... No, 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 no. As parents, we are training our children for the Heavenly Father. And so, if we allow them to live in ways that dishonor Him, then we're training them by doing that. Let me read this statement. By failing to lead our children to repentance before the sovereign God, we teach them that they're fine to continue living as self-made kings and queens rather than servants. Anybody ever had a little queenie in the house? Come on. They knew that they were the little queenie. Our first daughter was born. She looked like a little Precious Moments doll. And our friends were enamored with them. Alexis' dad. Your dad was enamored with Shayna. And they would come over our house, and they're just dear friends of ours, still are. And I remember one time in particular, they're saying goodbye because they lived in the same neighborhood, and they're walking home. Shayna's there on the couch with her little bottle and her little blonde locks. And Wayne says to her, Goodbye, Shayna. And she's sitting there with her bottle, and she goes like this. And he dutifully runs over there and gives her a hug. We're like, dude, don't do that. She's the little queenie in the house. The Lord had to do a work in that little girl's heart, and it had to do with the rod in a loving way. But his wife said, you know what? What happened to Shana? Like, I mean, the Lord intervened in her life. My wife can tell you this is a powerful thing. And she said, what happened to Shayna? Like, I used to not even like her. Now she's the most gentle, beautiful thing. That's called heart correction. Because in the Lord's wisdom, he made a connection between the fanny and the heart. (laughs) He did. He made a divine connection between your fanny and your heart. And so he knows that when loving parents who are not out of control and are not angry, they're training in the same way, don't take this wrong, that you would train a horse. You don't get out there with a two-by-four and beat it, in with you know, angry. You, you help it to learn. No, no. You're, we're training flesh, right? How many know your kids are fallen? Do you know your kids are depraved? They're fallen, right? This is the depravity of the human race. Like, you, even, yes, even your kids are fallen. It's a real thing. And so what we do is we help them to train their flesh and to learn self-control. See, I I know it's difficult for people that were raised with anger sometimes. And and if your anger is out of control, then you should not spank your children until you get it in control. Okay, you shouldn't do that. But listen, the Bible doesn't give a lot of options. There's multiple verses. I won't go through all of them. But it says that this is not optional for you. Disciplining is part of the process. It's not the only part. It shouldn't be the biggest part, but it is a part of training. By failing to lead our children to repentance before the sovereign God, we teach them that they are fine to continue living as self-made kings and queens rather than servants. By failing to instruct them in God's commandments, we teach them that the God's Word is not the highest authority in our lives. By failing to set boundaries, we instruct them what we really do not care whether they do good or evil. I read a a little vignette by John Piper recently, and I was like, he said, I was on a plane recently, and there was a lady there sitting next to me that was training her son to be shot. Like, what? He said, yeah, here's what happened. In Los Angeles recently, there was a 13-year-old boy who had a fake AK-47, and he was out there brandishing it around. It was a toy. It wasn't real. And the police told him multiple times, put down the gun. Put down the gun. They didn't know it was a toy, and he turned it on him like that, and they shot him dead because he did not have a category in his brain for respecting authority because he'd never respected the authority in his home. And so he thought, no, you shut up. I'm going to do what I want on the plane this is what he said this lady sitting next to me she's got a little fellow sitting there 5 6 years old he's got a device that he's looking at stewardess comes by and says hey um he needs to turn that device off he doesn't listen he keeps looking at the device mom says nothing she comes back up and down the aisle and said hey um you need to turn that device off that's not okay we're getting ready to take off you have to turn the device off boy doesn't look up or listen mom does nothing stewardess came by the third time and said, Ma'am, you're going to have to turn that device off. We can't take off until you turn that off. So she finally doesn't say anything to the child. She turns it off, and as soon as the stewardess walks away, that boy turns it back on again and starts playing it, and the mother says nothing. And Piper's comment was, this woman is training and raising a child that can be shot dead by the police. That's sobering, but it's real. Love does train. When we say we're dedicating our children to the Lord, we're actually dedicating ourselves as parents to raise them to rightly honor the Lord. Part of that May I tell you I know it's not part of our culture, but part of that is learning how to respect authority because the Bible says that all authority is given by God, does it not? Romans 13 have you ever read it? That's in the Bible Romans 13, all authority is given by God and whoever resists that authority is actually resisting is actually resisting God. So when we tolerate things that God finds Abhorrent because we don't want to trouble our children. We're actually training them to dishonor the Lord. That's not okay. You go, oh, man, your house must have been this legalistic. No, far from it. Far from it. Guys, I have made so many mistakes in my parenting. It's ridiculous. I was talking to one of my sons a couple of weeks ago. He's 31 years old now. He loves Jesus. He's a missionary in England. And we're talking on the phone. And he was sharing some things with me about how I had hurt his heart when he was little. And we're both bawling our eyes out on FaceTime. And I'm repenting. I said, I am so sorry. I did not see that. Will you please forgive me? It never ends that's the great thing about repentance is that when you mess up with your kids, you can ask them to forgive you and they're so willing to forgive you. But there's lots of things that I was blind to and didn't see even now at his age. He pointed it out to me. I'm so thankful that he did that because I want everything to be right. But look, perfection is not an option. Whatever happens in our children is going to be because God is gracious and he's patient with us. All right, so this word train up means to dedicate. Let me let me just be a little teachy here. I want to I want to read you some quotes from some Hebrew heavyweight Hebrew scholars cuz I'm not. I know a little bit of Greek. My Hebrew is extremely weak, and so I trust these guys. Bruce Waltke He's one of the foremost Hebrew scholars in the world. He's probably the weightiest scholar on the book of Proverbs that I know of. His commentary is consistently rated as number one in Proverbs. Here's what he says. In biblical usage, the verb and noun, which is translated train up in this verse, mean to dedicate and dedication. In Proverbs 22.6, it is used with reference to the education of the youth, and it signifies to so orient and commit him in the appropriate moral correction, that His innate folly is corrected. Okay, what does all that mean? Here's the deal. Parents are supposed to recognize right off the bat, just like we are, our children are fallen. And the Bible says that folly fills the heart of children. What's folly? What is folly? Folly is self-centeredness, doing whatever I want to do, whatever I feel like doing, regardless of what happens. It's not following the Lord. Our kids are not bent to follow the Lord. They're bent away from, and that's the two ways there in Proverbs 22, five, right? The way of the wicked, if you go that way, it's like thorns constantly stabbing in you. But if you go this way, this is the way of the righteous. So listen, in the book of Proverbs, there's not 25 ways. There's only two. There's the way of the righteous, the way of the godly, And there's the way of the wicked and the way of the crooked. Those are the only two ways there are. And what these verses are saying is, listen, recognize that your children's natural, bent in their flesh. They're, you know, they're not wicked. Like, you don't have to cast the devil out of them necessarily. Maybe, but not necessarily. But they're bent. Their nature, they're fallen. And so we have to help them to turn the other direction and go, no, actually, in this house, we do what honors Jesus. So, we never let our kids call each other names. And when they were little, as toddlers, our two boys especially, Landon was one of them, um, they just couldn't get along. There was a season of time where they could not get along with each other, and they would be like... He pointed his toe at me. You know, they'd take their pencil and throw it off the table. We're trying to homeschool and having a really good class time here. And they can't, can't get along at all. And so even though they're, they're super little, Wesley was really little then. He started doing, he knew he couldn't say, you know, he didn't know any curse words probably. But so he would start to do, you blue blue, you blah blah, that kind of thing. You know what? It sounds cute and it's funny, but in the heart, he's cursing him. And like, no, we don't do that in this house. Now we need to connect your heart and your bottom and help you to get the jolt. That's not what we do in our house. This is not how we operate here. So you don't call blah, blah or boo, boo. That's not okay because your heart is saying something a lot worse than that. The heart is the issue and we're training, we're the surrogates in the home training these little hearts for Jesus. Jesus doesn't like boo-boo and blah-blah because that's, he said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you what? You're a murderer. So if we let that go on, what are we doing? We're going to let that thing grow up and then we're raising up a murderer. You go, oh, that's overstated. It's not overstated. Because Jesus sees the intents of the heart, and so we're helping them to deal with their little hearts. We're dedicating our children, and we're dedicating ourselves to train them to honor the Lord Jesus. Okay, let me run through this. I'm going to finish pretty soon. This proverb Pictures a child who is dedicated by parents to the Lord and morally trained to follow Him. In the book of Proverbs, there are only two ways that a person can go. The way of the wise or the righteous and the way of the fool. One takes training, the other does not. You don't have to train your child to be a fool. They'll be expert at it if you just leave them alone. That's why the Bible says a child, listen, a child left to himself does what? A child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Leaving them to themselves is not an option. Leaving them to this for hours is not an option. It's not an option. I know it's convenient. But we're not called to raise children for convenience or to have trophy children so that we can say, oh, they're the CEO of Google. Who stinking cares? Do they love Jesus is our question because the Father wants godly offspring. That's what he said in Malachi 2. The reason he hates divorce, he said, why are you divorcing? I hate divorce. Why? Because I want godly offspring. From your union, it's supposed to be the safe place where children who really love me and honor me can be raised in an atmosphere where they flourish. Come oh, on, guys. I know I'm an old fogie, uh, and I know I wasn't raised with all this stuff. But but, but can I tell you just from observation? This is a serious enemy that we have to contend with. Like, we need to think about what we're doing when we allow our kids to have just oodles and oodles of time. And then we're actually surprised when they get hooked on porn. Really? I'm not. Okay, i making my way through here. Listen, this is something that I heard a lot in homeschool circles, that when it says that we're supposed to train him up in the way he should go, what that actually means is that we're supposed to train them according to the gift and bent. And as much as I love the Amplified Bible, it's wrong here. Um, It says raise them according to the gift and bent that they have, and then when they're old, they'll not depart from it. So it's not talking about moral training. This is the line that's put out there. It's not true. That's not what this verse means. This verse is talking about blood-earnest eternal issues, raising them up. So here's here's what he says. Um, This phrase and the way you should go does not describe the concept perpetuated by a modern psychological interpretation of the verse, such as train a child according to his personality trait. Okay, so, oh, Johnny loves art, so we're going to get him educated in art so that when he grows up, he can have a career. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is not talking about that. This is talking about dedicating to the Lord for His purposes, and the way that we're supposed to align them into is way number one, which is the way of the righteous. This is our assignment. I think I'll leave the rest of those. This is our assignment. We're raising children to know, to love, to serve Jesus. Can I tell you, self-control is not optional in children. We have to assess where they're at. You can't demand that a two-year-old act like a 12-year-old, although a lot of 12-year-olds do act like two-year-olds. We won't go there, you, so, so sure, we have to take into consideration, and listen, there needs to be an atmosphere. We're not trying to create, here, here's the thing, we're not trying to create children that make us proud in public because they behave so well. That's not the goal. This is not about us. This is not about them primarily. This is about the God who made them for Himself. That's who this is about. And if we keep that in mind, it will help us in our child training so much. So when we allow them to be defiant and to look at us and go, no, what are we saying to them? Even though God says, if you want to have a good life, love life and see good days, you need to honor your father and mother, we don't really care about that. So if you want to go ahead and defy me, then that's fine. We're telling him it's okay with God if you defy the authority that I put in your life. It's not okay. Now, I'm not saying we take a hammer and knock him down. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, hey, you know what, honey? The Bible says in the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. That's what we're going to do in this house because we are going to honor Jesus. When you don't honor mommy and daddy, who are you actually not honoring? oh, I'm not honoring Jesus. That's not okay in our house. And so we want you to be blessed. Do you want to be blessed by God your whole life and have a good, long, rich life? Well, you know the way you get there is that we honor mommy and daddy. Not because we're the king and we want them to honor us, but because that's what God said, because we are His delegated authority. And we're trying to help our children not to raise them up to get shot when they're 13. Or to shipwreck their life in every other kind of way they can shipwreck. Right? We're training them for the Lord to love Him rightly. This is important. All right. That's probably enough on the weightiness of it. Y'all feel weighty? There's a responsibility that we have, but let me give you some encouragements, parents. If you feel beat, no, no, don't put your hand up. This isn't no way beat. This is an encouragement. So let me give you four encouragements, okay? Let's end with that before we call people up here. Number one, it's not all on you. You have supernatural help. This is so good. Remember the story of Elisha and his servant? They're sitting up there on the mountain, and all the armies are coming to take this one guy. And he's sitting there cool as a cucumber, and his servant's like, Dude, do you see this army? Like, what's going to happen? He goes, Lord, open his eyes. He doesn't see that there's more with us than are out there. And when he sees all the angelic army, he's like, oh, okay, it's going to be all right. God's calling to parents is, yeah, I want you to raise them up for me, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you wisdom every single day to deal with every circumstance that you have to deal with. I'm going to be near you and with you. If you're partnering with me in this process, I'm going to help you. So important. Number two, your sacrifices are so worth it. Did you notice when Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord, 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep? I can't even imagine what that smelled like. It's, it's, It's phenomenal. I mean, think about the numbers. It's crazy. The sacrifice, there is sacrifice in raising children for Jesus, There's there's time sacrifice. There's convenience sacrifice for you. You're not going to be able to go on as many um, vacations, probably, maybe not drive as nice a car. I was on a job site one time, and there was one of the salespeople there, and I kind of had a relationship with him. He knew we had seven children. And um, he drives up in a brand-new, beautiful, black Lexus. That's the Lord from an ungodly sales manager. He said to me, your kids are your Lexus. I said... You're darn right, they are. And they're way more than this, this thing's gonna end up in the junkyard as a cube. My kids are gonna live forever. That's my Lexus. All right, number three perfection's not an option, but God works in spite of our parental dysfunction. He does. So many times, Diane and I would have these conversations, we would feel overwhelmed. Parents, you ever feel overwhelmed? Like you, you just like, oh my goodness. We're like, why did we have seven children? We're crazy. (laughs) And I felt like the Lord put this in my heart one time. We were talking. She said, Honey, I'm a terrible mom. I mean, I would have my turn of saying, I'm a terrible dad. And we would have those conversations to each other if you can relate. And I said, You know what, baby? The Lord is going to do this thing in spite of us, in spite of our dysfunction, not because we have it all right, not because we know exactly what to do. I mean, so many of my kids, just like the one I had that FaceTime conversation, like I told them, I said, I said, Lady, we were just trying to figure you out. Like we didn't understand you. That's when you came along. That's when we took all of our notes that we were compiling about the book we were going to write about parenting. And we threw them in the fire and burned them. And said so we don't know anything about parenting. We're totally ignorant. That's a real thing. Not that we have the notes. But I mean that's how we felt. Like we... So, so there's going to be fails. Here's the thing. The heart of the parent that is intent and focused on, Lord, we're going to do the best we can to offer these children to you. You know how Paul says in 2 Corinthians that he's offering the believers that he has evangelized and discipled in Corinth? I'm going to offer you as a pure, undefiled virgin to Christ. Like, that's what we're doing with our children. We're offering them as pure, undefiled virgins to the living God. Lord, you gave us these children to raise in our home, and we've done the best we can, and we offer them to you as worship. That's greater worship than 10,000 conferences, I believe. It's beautiful to the Lord. Perfection is not an option, but God's grace is sufficient to overcome our dysfunction. And then lastly, this is number four, God is gracious with His wisdom and with His grace. You know, there's helicopter parents out there, right? You might be one. You might be one where you hover over your kids and suffocate them. Um, But you can be a spiritual helicopter parent by prayer in the Holy Spirit and letting the Lord give you wisdom. And I've seen this happen. I've seen my wife go to the kids and say, you better tell me the truth because the Lord's going to tell me. And they're like, yes, mommy, I did it. That's a real thing. The Lord gives wisdom. He gives grace. He gives strength. And your effort is not in vain. You are sowing into eternity. And can I invite... As a community, like you all, if you're older, would you, when you see young children, when you hear them crying, would you not wince and, you know, like, why don't you get that child to be? What, could you just take a, the thought of, how can I encourage that mom and that dad? Because they need it. This is hard, this is difficult, there's difficult days. You know, I've told the story multiple times. There was a period of time with our kids when it was so hard that half the days that I came home, I would say for a year and a half, half the days that I came home from work, my wife was crying. It was so hard. That's a long time. I'm like, but do I, here's the question. Somebody that's gone a little bit further maybe than you, do I regret any of those days now? Absolutely not. I don't regret one day. I don't regret one day of that because we're sowing into eternity. And to see the fruit that's rising to God. Dude, my children are raising their children to love Jesus, and it's a real thing. They're going to surpass me in every way, and it makes me so happy. I'm encouraging my kids, you know. One of them said, well, Dad, we might have more kids than you. I'm like, come on, do it. Here's here's the thing about everything. This is why the universe exists, for the glory of God, and to give Him what He wants. And our children are just an extension of that. This is all about giving God what He wants. Don't grow weary in well-doing. We're getting ready to call you up here. Parents and families, you can come up with your families. I want to read off these certificates. You're going to come up, and we're going to pray for you and bless you. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for you will reap if you don't give up and don't faint.